Welcome to the Crystal Sparks Podcast. We are so glad you are here. Our one goal of this podcast is to grow your faith and help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Now here is Crystal Sparks. Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And I'm reading out of the Amplified, and it says this, And you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart. Somebody say whole heart. And out of and with all your soul. Somebody say all your soul. Your life. And out of and with all your mind. Say your mind. With your faculty of thought and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like it, and is this, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Can I pray with you today as we begin our time together? Jesus, we just thank you so much, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I declare in this house that every ear is open and receptive. Every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, there's a lot of things that we do as a church family that I absolutely love. Um, I love our Vision Sunday. It's always really great recapping the year, celebrating how many people gave their life to Jesus and how much we did all over the world. It's awesome when we roll out our New Year vision. And then I love Baptism Sunday. How many of you guys love Baptism Sunday? I cry the whole time. I mean, I bawl the whole time. And uh, it's just so incredible as people publicly declare the inward change that God has done. In fact, we have a Baptism Sunday just coming up in just a few weeks that we'll get to celebrate together. I love Baptism Sunday. I love our sisterhood event that we do um, every year. It's so amazing seeing so many women get together, lift up Jesus high. Um, I love that. One of my least favorite things that we do as a church family is in January, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm just keeping it real, y'all. I love the prayer part. The prayer part is awesome. I love the prayer part. It's the fasting part I don't like. When Brian says that I get hangry, I really do. It's hard. And I know some of you this year, you fasted Netflix. And let me just say, that's easy. I would love to fast Netflix. Um, Brian and I, we did a sundown fast. And so, which means you don't eat all during the day. And uh, when the sun comes up till the sun goes down. And so you're starving. So you're sitting at lunch appointments, watching everybody else eat and you can't eat. You're driving through the drive-through line at Chick-fil-A, getting your kids food. Come on. And you're just sitting there drinking water. You're like, great, this is, this is wonderful. And so we're there in January and I'm not one to complain or have confrontation. That's just not the kind of person I am. And so Brian was asking me, he's like, babe, how was your day? And I was like, well, it was good until I went to the store and this guy was really mean to me. He was like, a guy was mean to you? I was like, yeah, he was just so rude checking me out. And this is what happened, you know, checking me out at the grocery store, not like checking me out. Let's clarify. (laughs) That got awkward really quick. Um, Anyways, and so he's like, oh, man, that's terrible. And so the next day he came into my office. And and you know when somebody's mad, they don't even have to say it. You guys know what I'm talking about. So I'm moving the papers around on my desk. I'm frustrated. And he's like, babe, what's wrong? I'm like, I just got off the phone, and this lady was really mean to me. And he's like, a lady was mean to you? I'm like, yes, she was so mean to me. He's like, wow, that's weird. So the next day I had to go run some errands, and I went into the city office. And I come out, and I call. he called me, and I'm like, 
sorry, I just got out of here. This lady was really mean to me while I was there. And he goes, babe, it seems like every day somebody's being really mean to you. And I was like, yeah, they are. Like, everybody's so mean lately. And he goes, babe, have you realized that maybe the problem's you? And I was like, oh. And all of a sudden I realized that it wasn't that people were being mean to me. I was just really hungry. So to every person that I was mean to in January, I'm so sorry from the depths of my heart. Like, I apologize. But for real, and all of a sudden it just hit me that, and I began to think about that in preparing this message of how many times do we think that everybody else is the problem when really we're the problem? And today I want to talk to you about your relationship with yourself. Because let's just be honest, of all the relationships in your life, the only one that you can't get away from is you. You're the only relationship. You can lock yourself in the bedroom and there you are. You can travel to another state and you're still there. You can try to disconnect your phone and guess what? You still reach yourself. I mean, you are always around yourself. So here's the thing is if we're always around ourselves, then how important is it for us to have a good relationship with ourselves? The Bible talks about three different relationships in the Bible um, in different ways. The first relationship that it talks about is our relationship with God. And this is important because if we don't believe that God loves us, just like what we were singing about this morning, the relentless love of God, if we don't believe that he loves us without restriction, without limits, then what will happen is we begin to limit God's love for us and we never step into all that he has for us. The next relationship the Bible talks about is our relationship with others. In fact, your relationship with others is so important that the Bible tells us that our faith is energized and is motivated by our love for one another. So if you want to grow your faith, grow your love for other people. And that's why the enemy works so hard to get you offended, because he knows if he can get you offended, your faith won't work at its full capacity. Come on. And so I don't know about you, but I want greater faith. And if we want greater faith, the kind of faith that sees the miraculous, we got to begin to love other people. The third relationship the Bible talks about is the relationship with ourselves. See, here's the thing is that your relationship, you can totally believe that God loves you without restraint. You can totally begin to love other people, but until you see yourself as being worthy of God's love, then you're not able to receive everything he has for you. And what happens is you begin to live your entire life self-sabotaging yourself from success. And some of you, I'll just make this argument that it might not be that God's not willing to do great things in your life. In fact, he could have every door open right before you, but ultimately it's your job to love yourself enough to step through it. And some of us are doing the self-destructive pattern that we're on and we're hurting ourselves time and time again. Why? Because we really don't believe that we're worthy of love from other people. We really don't believe that we are worthy to receive all that God has for us. Because I don't know about y'all, but for years, I had no problem praying for somebody else to get a miracle. I could stand with you and believe God and and know like with all confidence God's going to do this. But it was for myself that I had a hard time with. Why? Because I didn't have a good relationship with myself. You know, here in the scripture that we opened up with in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, this stood out to me in the Amplified. It says that we should love the Lord our God with our whole heart. You know, the first thing I want to talk to you today about is loving God with your whole heart. You know, I I think that if we'll just be honest, we don't bring our whole selves to the situation. We bring part of ourselves because we've left pieces of ourselves along the journey. And just for us to kind of set this up, and I have the questions there in the app for you, 
But I just want you to answer these few questions as we begin our time together to see where you're at in your relationship with yourself. The first question I want to ask you is this, is do you feel guilty when you say no when people ask you to do things? You know, whenever, that might sound silly, but I remember my entire life, I grew up with this expectation of, of being a people pleaser, and it came from my past, honestly. I grew up in a home where my father was very physically and verbally abusive. My home was not a happy home. It was not a, a happy place to be. My father would go on tantrums that were huge. He'd put holes in walls. He'd throw my brother like he was a soccer ball, um, watch my brother be injured in ways no human should ever be injured in their lifetime. We would sit at dinner when my mom would set the table. We would sit down to eat, and if the phone rang, all hell would have to pay. He would go on a tirade, I mean, through the house, just screaming, freaking out. We'd be grounded. It it would be, everyone's in trouble. And I remember thinking, I don't have control over the telemarketers calling or not calling at dinner time. But you can't tell that to a child. And uh, someone would knock on the door and he'd get frustrated. If he lost something, it was everybody in the house's fault and everybody would have to pay. Anybody grow up in a fear-based home like that? And, and I grew up my entire life to living and walking on eggshells. And what's sad is, without knowing it, it ingrained in my life, in my mind, that people's love and their acceptance was circumstantial. And so whenever people would ask me to do things, I couldn't say no. Because to say no, I didn't know if they were going to freak out on me and didn't love me anymore. Because with my dad, his love for me was always if I did everything he wanted me to do. If I was perfect, in fact, if I came home and I said I made 100 on my test, his first question would be, was there a bonus question? And if the answer was yes, then he would say, well, I guess you didn't do that good, did you? My senior year, I made co-captain of our drill team, and I was so excited. And he said, well, what's the top spot you could have gotten? I said, captain. He goes, well, sounds like you just missed it, didn't you? It was always like you were one step short. And because of that, in my mind, I thought, well, if I just do everything everybody wants me to do, then everybody will love me. If I just don't say no to anyone, if I say yes to everything, then everybody will be happy with me. But the sad thing is, the only person that sacrifices and the only person that loses is you. And yeah, you're making everybody else happy, but the only person that isn't happy is you. Do you feel guilty when you have to say no to other people? Or how about this next question? Are you, do you overload your schedule because of, of what other people need from you? Do you? Are you so busy like saying yes to everybody else that now you're completely stressed out? You're staying up till two in the morning doing everything that the PTO needs, everything that your mom needs, everything that your husband needs, everything that your kids need, and you have no sleep, you haven't eaten, you're stressed out, you, you haven't even had a moment to yourself but it's okay because you'll just keep overloading your schedule. Everybody say this with me. Say no. Say it like you mean it. Say no. The most freeing thing I ever got is that I can say no and not give a reason why. I'm just going to give some freedom in this house. (laughs) Somebody can say, hey, can you pick up my kids tomorrow? You can just say no. You don't have to give a reason why. In fact, you can have an open spot in your schedule and still say no, and you don't have to feel guilty about it. Why? Because it's okay to say no to some people. And used to, I let everybody else run my schedule except for myself. 
And let me tell you, you've got to begin to take your schedule back. Quit letting everybody else live their life through you. Or how about this? You're going to the college that your parents wanted you to go to. You're living the life that your parents wanted you to live. You're living in the city that your parents wanted you to live in. Come on. It's time for you to take your life back. The next question I want to ask you is, are you your biggest fan or your biggest critic? Are you your biggest fan or your biggest critic? If I were to ask you to give me all the things that were wrong with you, you could fill up a sheet like that. If I were to ask you all the things that were right with you, some of you would have to sit and think for a good while. You know, Brian's aunt gay, she is a mess. In fact, we talk about her a lot. She is hilarious. And uh, I, I feel like we need a book. It needs to be like a coffee table book of things that Aunt Gay says, because it'll, it'll be awesome. And Aunt Gay is the most amazing cook that you, you would ever eat from her table. It is incredible. Her food is always just made like to perfection. Her house is immaculate. She keeps herself like perfect. Her hair is always nice. Her outfits are always like ironed and I'm rolling in like hot mess. Like, hey, I made it. And Aunt Gay is like perfectly put together. But the sad part is Aunt Gay is always bashing herself. Whenever you sit around Aunt Gay, she's telling you how she's not a good cook, how she doesn't keep a good house, how she's lazy. Her hair needs to be done. She's overweight. Her thighs are too big. Come on. That's all she talks about is everything that's wrong with her. You sit down to eat and you go, wow, Aunt Gay, this is good. She goes, it cook- I cooked it too long. The meat's dry. Should have pulled it a little bit sooner. She's going to tell you everything that's wrong. So one day I said, Aunt Gay, what would you do if someone walked in and called you lazy, told you you're a bad cook, told you that your thighs were too big, you were overweight? She said, well, I'd punch him right in the mouth. <laughs> and I believed her. <laughs> And I said, Aunt Gay, that's what you do to yourself all the time. I want you to listen to your internal dialogue. If somebody else talked to you the way you talk to you, would they be your best friend or your biggest enemy? See, I, I'll just tell you, I'm really great at this. In fact, um, I, I used to, I still do. I will bash myself in a minute. I can give you all the things that I've done wrong in a day instead of all the things I've done right. In fact, you'll lose your keys and then you start talking bad about yourself, right? I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I always do this. And you start going on a whole thing on yourself, right? Does anybody else do that? And now what I do, I go, I lost my keys today because I'm awesome, Because I'm so good at losing my keys. I am the best. In fact, Brian, I lose stuff. I'm notorious for losing things. And so now Brian's turned it around on a good thing. And he says, if you ever want something to be hidden, just put it on the counter and Chris will take care of it for you. He's like, my wife is so good at hiding stuff that she can't even find it. Like, she's great. So if you ever want something hidden, come over to our house and put it on the counter. But what if we started talking good about ourselves instead of bashing ourselves? Instead of going, man, I did that again. And we go on this whole negative spiral. What if we just started going, you know what? I did that because I'm awesome. And I may not be great at losing my keys. I'm great at losing my keys, but I've never lost my kids. Not for longer than like 30 minutes. I've temporarily misplaced them a few times. I've had the cops have to return them to me, but I've never permanently lost them. Just side note to parents, kids are like boomerangs. They always come back. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. But what if we started talking good about ourselves instead of bashing ourselves all the time? Side note to wives. Wives, your insecurity is making your husband crazy. Constantly bashing yourself, constantly talking about what you're not is exhausting him. 
Every day he's having to encourage you. Yes, I still love you. Yes, I'm still with you. Yes, I still think you're wonderful. It's sweet for a little while, but after a while it becomes exhausting. Do you ever sit around that friend that you're constantly having to encourage? And at a certain point, you're like, I'm done telling you this all the time. Let me tell you, you need to become your biggest fan. You need to become your biggest cheerleader. You should be able to say, you know what? I am really good at doing these things. I am a really good mom. I am a great wife. I am a great daughter. Come on, somebody. Do you often find yourself wishing that you were someone else or something else different than what you are? Come on. If I was more talented, if I was taller, well, you're not. If my thighs were smaller, they're not. Come on. If I look different, then maybe. Quit wishing you were something else than what you are. You've got to begin to love with your whole heart. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus gives his first message. And I love what he says here in Luke chapter 4. He says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. You know, I love that because Jesus would never ask us to do something that he didn't first make a way for us to be able to do. He can't ask me to be a fish. Why? Because he made me a human. So he's never going to ask me to be a fish. He's asking me to love with my whole heart. Why? Because he made provision for it. Because he came to heal our heart. And here's the thing is that you can't love with your whole heart if you're holding on to your past. You know, Brian and I, whenever we first got married, our biggest fights that we got into is I was forecasting the past, my past pain with my father onto Brian. And he finally sat me down one day and we're in this big fight. I know it's surprising. We fight. <laughs> we had this big, huge fight. It was a long time ago, not recent. <laughs> and we were in the middle of this fight. And he looked at me and he said, Crystal, you've got to quit treating me like I'm your dad, like I'm your dad. I didn't hurt you. I didn't say those things to you. I didn't do those things to you. Quit treating me like I'm him. And I'm here to tell some of you are dragging your past pain into your present relationships. And you're wondering why you don't have a whole marriage and why you don't have a whole friendship. It's because you're treating them like the best friend that betrayed you. You're treating them like they're the employer that did you wrong. You're treating them like they're the father who left you. And because of that, you're not bringing your whole heart. And let me just tell you, if that's you, I have good news. That Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That with on your own and in your own strength, it's absolutely impossible. But God in one moment can heal you. Now, does it mean that my father's voice doesn't still come in my mind? It shouts all the time. But I think I get better at not listening to it. And I think I get better at coming to a place where I know the difference between a truth and the lie. And when I hear that whisper of you're not good enough, he's disappointed in you, he's never gonna love you, I don't entertain it now for days. I can silence it in moments. And I want you to get to a place where you no longer believe the lies of the enemy and you begin to believe the truth of God's word. And the only way to do that is to let God come in and completely heal you of all that past hurt and all that past disappointment and all that past shame and begin to love again with your whole heart. God wants us to begin to move on. The next thing I want you to get in this is to begin to love with all your soul. You know, the Bible says here, Jesus says for us to love with all of our soul. And, and our soul is the feeling part of us, right? Our feeling part of us. And our feeling part of us is really fickle, right? Because sometimes I feel like losing weight and other days I feel like eating a cheeseburger, <laughs> 
Some days I feel like running five miles and other days I feel like hitting snooze. Anybody with me? Um, Sunday nights, just my personal vice. I always feel like eating a whole pizza by myself. True story. I don't know what it is about Sunday nights, but when Brian comes home with Papa John's, I'm like, yes, I love you. I love you so much. And so, but our feelings are fickle. They're always taking us one way or to another. But here's the thing is a true mark of maturity is doing what's right even when you don't feel like it. See, the mark between a two-year-old and a mature adult is the adult doesn't feel like getting up and going to work, but does it anyways. The two-year-old is governed by his feelings. That's why he's laying in the floor in the aisle in Walmart. And some of us are, have grown in a number, in our age number, but we're still letting our feelings determine what we do. That's why we say things like, that person made me angry. That person made me frustrated. If you're truly frustrated, nobody, I mean, if you're truly mature, nobody can make you anything. You've got to begin to stop letting your feelings determine what you do and what you say. See, here's the thing, is that your feelings, your emotions will always shout at you, say it now. They'll always be saying, just say it now. Post it now. Send the text now. Tell them what you think right now. Go ahead and just say it right now. Call it, just say the truth right now. But God always whispers, wait. God will always whisper to you, hey, just wait. How many of you have said some stupid stuff? And later you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. My pastor, he says, I've learned how to eat crow every way it comes. Fried, broiled, barbecued. He says, I even eat it raw now. Just right in the moment, just saying, I I did wrong. I didn't do that. See, here's the thing is I found that I have to go back and apologize a whole lot less if I'll just do this, just be quiet. Just being quiet for a moment. You know, whenever we got home from Disney and um, came home and our pipes were busted, praise the Lord. That was fun. That was cool. And uh, just the week before that, our pool pipes had busted. And like you get home from the happiest place on earth to hell on earth. Being real. <laughs> I was so frustrated. You know the, the picture of the baby, the gif that, where the baby's like throwing $100 bills out the window? That's the way you feel when your pipes are busting and you have a water feature in the front of your house, right? I'm like, this is cool. This is great. And so I was so frustrated and my feelings were shouting at me. And I wanted to say a whole bunch of stuff. I wanted to be like, really? We give to God's house and this is the thanks we get? Like, wow, this is awesome. And just go off. Well, you know what would have happened? Brian was out in 20 degree weather in water trying to figure out where it was leaking. What would have happened? We would have ended up in a fight, right? And then we would have been screaming at each other and it wouldn't have solved anything because we'd still have a water feature in the front of our house. And so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet. I'm not going to let my feelings rule right now. So I went into bed. I got in bed and I got my gratitude journal out and I was writing scripture about peace. And I was like, you know what? Right now I'm going to make a choice that my feelings are going to determine what I say and what I do. And you know, the more I meditated on God's word, the more my feelings got better. And some of you just need to take a pause when that feeling of wrath or that feeling of rejection, that feeling of anger comes up. Just take a moment and say, okay, let me process through this. I'm not going to listen to my feelings saying now. I'm going to listen to God's whisper that's saying, wait. We have to own our feelings and not let our feelings own us. Ephesians 4.26 says, when we're angry, not if you're angry, it says when you're angry. In other words, God already knows you're going to get angry. It's not a surprise to him that you get angry, right? Do not ever let, the, let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or your indignation last until the sun goes down. So in other words, all it's saying is you're going to get angry. Just don't let your anger last till the end of the day. 
Just don't let it, by the end of the day, just get over it. You know, it's kind of like rollover minutes are awesome because you have more minutes the next month. Some of you have rollover anger, a rollover disappointed, rollover frustration. And some of you, the best thing you can do is begin to say, you know what, at the end of every day, what's done is done. And God, I thank you for a new day tomorrow. I thank you that great things are ahead. And just, this is free. One of the best things I started doing is gratitude journaling at night. I have a journal by my bed. And every night when I get in bed, I just take a few moments and I write down things that I'm thankful for. Why? Because I'm making my mind up that I'm not going to take today's hurt, today's disappointment, today's frustration with me into tomorrow. I'm going to let my mind think on the good things. And you know what happened is I began sleeping better. I began to wake up with the expectation. Why? Because I wasn't bringing yesterday's pain into my tomorrow. The next thing I want you to see here is in Philippians 3, 3. It says, put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh or on our outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. Appearances. What is that meaning? Don't worry about all the stuff you can see. Get, get God's word settled in your heart and let that be what matters most. Amen. Next thing I want you to get is to love with all your mind. With all your mind. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus. In other words, it's telling us, Paul's writing here that Our life is not going to be free and void of distractions. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. We're going to have a lot of things distracting us. So we're going to have to make up our mind that we're going to look away from all of those things and begin to look only on Jesus. See, here's the thing is uh, you remember that Elvis song, You Were Always On My Mind? You know that song? You Were Always On My Mind? I think a lot of us were like, I was always on my mind. (laughs) We're thinking all the time about I want, I think, I feel. I want, I think, I feel. We're always thinking about how we're not good enough, we're not talented enough, we're not equipped enough, we're not strong enough, we're not blank enough, we're always something not enough. And here's the thing, is that if we're gonna get our eyes on Jesus, we have to take our mind off of ourselves. And some of you are, you're so thinking about yourself that God's got every door open in your life and you're so busy striking yourself out. In fact, you found out that there was a promotion open at your workplace and you didn't even apply for it. Why? Because you had already declined it for your supervisor before he got the chance. Why? Because your mind's on yourself. Your mind's on your inadequacy. The Bible, um, I love how it tells us to examine our hearts, not analyze our lives. And the word analyze means this, to take apart, to determine the worth and the value of. See, we spend so much time analyzing our life to see if we're qualified. And the truth is, the more we analyze, the more we see our shortcomings. And the more we see our shortcomings, the more we go to God and say, God, if you only made me like this, then I could do these things. In other words, what you're saying is, God, I know how to be God better than you do. I would be a far better God. You didn't do a really great job, so let me help you. And let me tell you that God made you with everything that you need. And you may not be able to sing like Donnie or like Jeremy. You may not be able to play keys like Isaiah. You may not be able to speak like Pastor Brian. We all wish we could. I mean, you may not be able to have these other things. But the truth is, is that God gave you everything you need to accomplish your specific purpose on this earth. But as long as you're looking at everybody else and what everybody else is doing, you're not looking on Jesus. Because it says, looking away from all 
that will distract and to only Jesus. So when I get myself off my mind for the first time, I'm able to realize the big plans that God has for me. Come on, somebody. I want you to begin to realize that God wants so much more for you than where you are now, but you're never going to be able to walk into it as long as you're striking yourself out. Here's a scripture in John, and I love this scripture in John chapter 12, and as I'm closing, it says, yet in spite of all this, many, even the leading men and the authorities and the nobles believed in and trusted on Jesus. Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that if they should acknowledge Jesus, they would be expelled from the synagogue for they love the approval and the praise and the glory that comes from men instead of and more than the glory that comes from God. They valued their credit with men more than their credit with God. Why is your relationship with yourself so important? It's because I think the saddest words in scripture is this right here. There were people sitting in the crowd who saw Jesus, believed he was the Messiah, believed with all their heart, but the thing was they couldn't stand up. Why? Because they were people pleasers and, and they were people pleasers and not God pleasers. And let me tell you, in your life, if you don't get settled in who you are, you'll live all your life from the approval of men instead of the approval of God. You'll compromise who you are and what you stand for and what you believe for and the, the life you live. Why? Because you're so wanting to get other people's approval. How sad it is that those men sitting there could have been the ones to write chapters in the Bible. How sad it is that those men sitting there could have been the ones who saw miracles, but instead they were satisfied with secondhand knowledge of this God. They were satisfied with just, oh, well, as long as everybody loves me. And I just want to declare over you that in your life, when you get confident in who you are and what you stand for, I am a child of God. It doesn't matter if you approve of me, if you stand with me or Daniel stand with me, I'm still who God says that I am. I'm not waiting for your Facebook post. I'm not waiting for your approval because I'm already approved. The biggest thing that happened in my life, my pastor, whenever I got up to speak one time, he told me, he said, Crystal, every time you get up to speak, I want you to see this. You're wearing my mantle. You're wearing my anointing. And he said, you're already approved by God before you say one thing. And he says, now wear it well. And I want to declare over all of you that you are God's child, You are God's son. You are God's daughter. Before you even woke up this morning, you are already approved of. So wear it well. Wear it well. Quit waiting for everybody else to recognize it. If you're here in this place and you're between the ages of 12 and 18, I just want you to stand up real quick. 12 and 18. Where are my 12 and 18-year-olds? Come on, can you give it up for them? Wow. Now I want to declare over you the most important relationship you have. Listen to me, dear ones. is a relationship you have with your God and yourself. Now I remember when I was your age, I'm just going to be honest with you for a moment. I was so worried about who was popular, who was cool, who was the who's who, who made favorites, who made this. And let me tell you, all the stuff that, all the awards I won in my letter jacket that had everything, I was in every club. I was part of the cool kids. All of that, it's all sitting in an attic. And you know, the only thing I took out with me from my senior year was my God and my relationship with myself. 
all those people that I was so busy trying to get them to love me, so busy trying to get them to approve of me, so busy wondering if I, if I dress good enough, am I cool enough, did I say the right thing? You know what? They're, they're out living their life. I had four best friends in high school. Are you listening to me? Four. We all four promised that we would live like hell in high school, and when we graduated, that we would serve God. My senior year, my best friend was shooting up underneath her toenails, so she didn't have track lines. Of those four, my senior year, I gave my life to Jesus and met the cutest thing in Wranglers and Boots. He led me to Christ before he pursued me as his wife. And I turned away from my friends. They were all partying. A few years after high school, one of my best friends died in a drunk driving accident. My other best friend married an atheist. My other best friend is not serving the Lord. Out of the four, I'm the only one that served in God. And out of the four, I'm the only one who's happily married. Out of the four, I'm the only one who has joy. Out of the four, I'm the only one who's secure in who I am. Let me tell you, when you get in your heart that God is the one and it's all about him, then you know what? God will take you further. He'll exalt you. He'll take care of you. Yeah, people are going to mock you, but you know what? In a few years, they won't even remember you. But you know what? God will still be by your side. Those parents that brought you here today, they'll still be by your side. Those youth pastors that love you and have you night and night, they'll still be by your side. When everybody else is gone, they'll be the ones. Can you stretch your hands towards these young people? Let's pray for them. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for these leaders. God, we call them blessed in Jesus' name. God, we declare over them that they're going to know who they are in you. And God, they will not waver in what you've called them to do. Now, Father, where the shouts of men are coming against them and telling them to change and who they should be, God, I thank you that your word will prevail. And that, Father, I thank you that they live for your glory and for your praise and your acceptance, Father, more than the acceptance of men, that, God, they will stand and not bow down. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up modern-day Esthers. You're raising up modern-day Daniels. You're raising up modern-day Elijahs. God, I declare over them that they are the pastors of their school, that they'll win the loss to Jesus, and they'll stand for you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Come on, can you give it up for them? Thank you. You can be seated. Can I pray with you today as we close our time together? Father God, we just thank you. Lord, I feel this so strong that some of the people here in this place, they haven't been able to love the way that they need to love is because they're holding on to the pain of their past. So God, right now, we decide to let it go. We decide to let go of the places and the people that hurt us, the life that we wish we would have had. God, we choose right now to let you heal us. Lord, heal their hearts. Heal their hearts of the hurtful words. Heal their heart of the rejection. Even when I just see this in my heart and in my spirit that you felt so alone all your life. And the Lord says, even when you felt alone, I was still there. He was there when you were crying. He was there when they left. He was there when they rejected you. And the Lord says, and I'm here now. Lord, do a perfect work in them. Lord, here in this place where people have been run by their feelings and their emotions, God, right now, we just determine that we will not live our life by what we feel. That, God, we will live our life according to what your word says. 
And Father, when rage comes up in us and rejection comes up in us, that God, we're gonna begin to push that down and begin to believe the truth that you've spoken over us. God, in this place where our minds have been analyzing ourselves, Lord, right now, we look away from all that would distract and we see only Jesus. God, become bigger in our life, become bigger in our world. Let you be the focus of what we're all about. Jesus, let us begin to boldly declare that we do love ourselves because you love us. And if you love us, that's enough. We love you and we praise you. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you might say, Crystal, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Friend, that's a great first start for you to make today. Let me tell you that God loves you without restraint. He's wild about you. And I believe that you're not here by chance or by accident, but you're here because God wants a relationship with you today. Maybe you might say, Crystal, um, I prayed that prayer before, but I've made some mistakes and I've fallen away. But today I want to give my life back to him. If that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray with you today. He loves you so much. Will you lift your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Lift your hand in this place. I see hands everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. see hands everywhere. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Can we pray this together as a church family? Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take my sins. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's content. If you would like to further connect with Crystal, text the keyword CRYSTAL to 33733 and follow the prompts. We are so thankful you are a part of our community. Let's do something awesome for God this week.